Talk Radio 96.7. Yes, it's getting a little weird in here, but we're used to that because it's Thursday, 8 o'clock, and that means we're talking sports in the Ozone. The Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, and we are taking calls tonight, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Well, the Buccaneers will be coming back from Germany, probably already back by now, and uh, they came off a win over there over the Seahawks. They'll be off this week, so no Bucks game this Sunday. Florida State is going to host Louisiana. That game will kick off at noon in Tallahassee, 10 a.m. pregame on WLKF 96.7, 1430 a.m. The Gators will be at Vanderbilt, again a noon kickoff, 9 a.m. pregame, and that will be on WONN 107.1, 1230 a.m. Well, you know, one of the interesting things about FSU hosting Louisiana is that's Billy Napier's old team. So I wonder if he'll get any inside information from them as to tendencies from Florida State. Of course, I don't think Florida State's going to be all that challenged to beat this edition of the Raging Cajuns. Uh, yeah, you know, they were really strong in Napier's last year uh, in 2021. This year, they've been more up and down as they, there's a lot of rebuilding there. Not only did Napier leave, but a lot of the good players as well. Some of them came to the UF, including uh, Johnson. They've been a great running back for the you know, Cyrus Torrance. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that guy is amazing. Yeah. He Guards don't usually go in the first round, but he could be the first guard off the board. Yeah, that's uh, and uh, his emergence has uh, had a ripple effect throughout the that offensive line group, and we'll talk about that some more later, is uh, see the Gators roster beginning to overhaul itself already, even though there's still a couple of weeks left in the season. And that's uh, not a reason to panic. It's actually to be expected. Uh, There's going to be a lot of changes coming up. Oh, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, as far as FSU goes, uh, I – I don't know that the Gators are necessarily going to learn anything special from their old friends at Louisiana. Uh, And you're right. I don't think FSU is going to show anything in particular. But at the same time, I think we have a general idea of what they do and what they do well and what we need to do well in order to win that game, which is going to be a challenging game. FSU has been playing well. They seem to be improving. Uh, They've been moving the ball well offensively. They really took it to Syracuse. You know, that was the game – that Jim Henry thought would be the most challenging game remaining for the Seminoles, and that it turned out to be one of one of their easier wins on the heels of having just crushed the Hurricanes the week before. So they have some momentum going. So uh, maybe at least Louisiana can maybe slow them down a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, the Bucks continue to dominate the NFC South. They're five and five in first place, one game <laughs> ahead of the four and six Falcons, and uh, you know that's that's the thing that they're trying to prevent with the college football playoff. That's why they want to vote instead of on-field representatives. But, you know, so what? If the Bucs end up winning the Super Bowl or the Falcons end up winning it, so what? Well, you know, they don't all play the same schedule. Uh, you know, the SEC has its schedule. The Big 12 has its schedule, the Pac-12. So teams having a poor record might not necessarily mean they're a bad team. 
Now, granted, the NFC South is not the NFC East. We'll yeah. agree to that, at least. <laughs> well, it, it's not that much different than in college. You're right. I mean, they all play an NFL schedule, but all the teams are not created equal. And, you know, like in college, some teams, some conferences play nine-game conference schedules. Some don't. And, uh, you know, it's it's really brilliant that the um, SEC doesn't. Well, right. Well, but in college, you play vastly different schedules. An SEC school is going to play vastly different schedule from a Big Ten school because they're playing different teams. At least in the NFL, there's some overlap. And then you get into sports like basketball. Now, baseball is looking to go to a balanced schedule. I'm not sure why baseball would even have divisions anymore once they go to a balanced schedule. If everybody's playing the same schedule, just rank them. You know, one through however many teams make the playoffs. Now, seven, I guess. So, oh, it's only league. seven. <laughs> Seven in each league. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, so slightly less than half the teams make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, it's, these owners have figured out that no matter how bad you are, if you get in the playoffs, there's money to be made. It does keep it interesting. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, even if it's artificial interest. So, well, let's go ahead and take a break. We come back, we're going to have David Whitley from the Gainesville Sun. We'll be talking about the Gators' upcoming games against Vanderbilt and also against Florida State. So you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Vince Dooley, former football coach and athletic director of the Georgia Bulldogs, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie Ocean, Coach Joe in the Ozone, and one of our favorite guests on the line with us tonight, David Whitley, who covers the Gators for the Gainesville Sun. David, welcome back to the Ozone. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, man, I tell you what, that column you wrote the other day was hilarious. <laughs> you, you get some really good stuff going. You should be a comedy writer. Um, well, people tell me that I'd be better off at comedy than writing sports, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Florida Gators going to go up to Nashville. going to be some cool weather up there. I don't think it's going to be real cold, but some funny things often happen up there. They've dominated the Commodores over the last 30 years or so, but there's always some funny stuff that goes on in Nashville. What, what do you see happening in this game? Well, I would I would talk about the weather, but Billy Napier said first thing in his press conference on Monday was that, that they're not talking about the weather this week. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's one of those mental things that um, sort of like if you remember the old Minnesota Vikings when they played in the outdoor stadium there in the 60s and and they would just go out there, wouldn't even have any any uh, any overall, you know, coveralls on and no heat on the sideline. And sort of like you just tough it out and pretend it doesn't bother you. Well, I get you know it's one thing to do that if you're living in Minnesota. It's another thing to do that if if you're living in like Anthony Richardson, growing up in Gainesville, Florida. <laughs> and uh, you know we he, he did talk about the weather. I hope he didn't have to run run sprints after practice for for talking about it. But we 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 sort of goaded him into talking about how uh, he never really played in anything really cold. You know, I mean, on, uh, and, and but you know, as you said, it's not going to be brutally cold. It you know be around. They say low 40s, high 30s, which, you know, I mean, I wouldn't want to go on a picnic and do that. But if you're out running around, uh, you know, on a football field, uh, I think that they'll adjust to it pretty quickly. And, and, and then it's just a matter of, like you said, uh, yeah, Vandy, is a, it is a weird place because, you know, you go to 
you go to pretty much any SEC stadium, and you know there, it's like it's like going into the pits of hell. You know, there, there's eighty, <laughs> ninety thousand people screaming at you, and it, you know it, it, it can be intimidating, it can be exciting, but either way, you, you get the adrenaline going. Uh, you know, Vandy, it's like you know, it's like going to a shopping mall these days, and you have shopping mall. Most of them are dead. You know, they're about <laughs> thirty years past their prime, and it's it, it's. It's never very, very crowded. In fact, if anything, you know, usually the the visiting team will make as much noise the, the fans as the home team, and it's usually an an early afternoon kind of game because it's not like Vandy ever gets a you know a, a prime time spot or a CBS three thirty kickoff, uh, and like this one's going to be at, at noon, which of course is eleven a.m. Uh, um, uh, Central Time. So it's going to be it's going to be sort of hard to get. They get pumped. It's not like you know you're going into LSU Stadium on Saturday night and playing uh, playing the Tigers. But the, the upside of that is that uh, well you're not you're not, you're not playing the LSU Tigers. You're playing you're playing Vanderbilt. Yeah. So you know if, if they just if they just go up there and play you know, up to their potential, they 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 should come away with a win pretty pretty easily. Well, I guess the biggest preparation problem is who Vanderbilt's going to play at quarterback. Uh, Mike Wright had a really good game last week running and throwing the football and those guys that can run like he can give everybody problems. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and apparently he'll be the guy. I mean, they, they've been keeping things sort of under wraps, whether it be him or, or AJ, I forget the kid's last name, but the freshman who, who came in and beat him out for the job after two games. But yeah, I mean, heck, you know, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm thinking, man, this is, I mean, he, he, uh, he ran for like 146 yards last week. So he's obviously a running threat and a, you know, I get uh, a so-so passer, but uh, I mean, Florida. You know, they've uh, until until two weeks ago, we'd say that you know any quarterback with a pulse was going to give them trouble. Um, and and suddenly, <laughs> I don't know what's come. Well, hey, yeah, there, there are a lot of theories on what's come over them, but but suddenly they've turned into like the you know the the, the steel curtain from 1979. You know, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it's it's one of the one of the curious upturns in the last few weeks that people have, you know from down here are, are feeling pretty good about. Gators are going to be playing in Nashville on Saturday, where currently it's 36 degrees and clear. <laughs> By the way, uh, David, uh, the forecast, official forecast from the Weather Channel for Saturday uh, in Nashville, high of 46 degrees, low of 22. So a noon time uh, or 11 o'clock kickoff is actually going to be good. <laughs> Sun will still be out, yeah. no shadows to worry about. <laughs> oh, yeah, they did them a favor with that because, man, you know, if, if this were, were the 7, 7.30 kickoff, by the time that ended, <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. would be that would be troublesome. Uh, we're talking to David Whitley of the Gainesville Sun. We're talking about Gators football, 6-8-2-14-30, 6-8-2-14-30. And let's, let's touch on what you uh, were talking about a moment ago, the defense. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the show being extraordinarily critical for the about the Gator defense being awful for the, what was going on the third year in a row. And uh, we were talking about that they just didn't have very good players. Next thing you know, they get rid of Brenton Cox, and they immediately they give up 24 points to an awful Texas A&M offense, and nothing since as South Carolina's only score was on special teams. I I, I don't have an explanation for it. I don't understand it at all. And I was wondering if you if you could uh, figure out what why why are they suddenly good? Yeah, uh, well, you, you touched on one of the reasons, and uh, it's it sort of. Counterintuitive way because Britton Cox was, you know, probably the most talented defensive player they had. Um, but he uh, he was, you know, 
let's just say nobody's really to, to pinpoint what exactly was the final straw that broke the camel's back when, to, to get him uh, kicked off the team, but uh, it, it wasn't the first straw. Um, you know, he, he was sort of a freelancer on defense, uh, you know, and, and Napier is, is nothing if not, uh, you know, a disciplined guy and wants people to, to, do, to take care of their task and stuff. And, uh, and, and Cox, he just sort of, well, I, you know, I, 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 it's, he had an attitude problem, I guess it's safe to say. Uh, and so <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they, they find, but you know, he, they came in, and when Napier came, you know the the, the slates were wiped clean, and, and they wanted. I mean, they, they certainly wanted him to, to to be on the team and play his potential. But you know, I, I think they finally just realized that it, it ain't it ain't happening. Um, and you know, they, you heard different things, but you know, at the end of the Georgia game, I mean, he he took a swing. He did everybody. Like, he didn't take a swing at a Georgia player after he, after the guy had scored. Did you, that was the one where he just held on to the Georgia player and walked him into the end zone, and then five yards later he finally just shoves him <laughs> instead of trying yeah. to you know tackle him. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you have you have to yeah you you have to uh, you know uh, bow up to him at some point, but you do wish that he would bow up before the goal line as opposed to after it. Uh, and and then there are reports that he he got into it with with a in, in the tunnel with a, with a, you know maybe a Georgia staffer, uh, whatever it was you know that was it was time for him to move on. And it's the classic addition by subtraction where they got rid of him. And I think it sort of sent a message to the rest of the team, you know, hey, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a new it's a new day around here. You got to you got to take care of your business a little bit better. And, you know, the question was, you know, just from the the performance standpoint, the guys that they put in there, how would they play? And because they were pretty unproven and they've stepped up very well. And, uh, and and so it's a combination of, of better attitude, better hustle. Uh, you know, the, they had a come-to-Jesus meeting, uh, the players did, at the halftime of that A&M game. Because, I mean, as you said, I mean, A&M is, man, you know, poor poor Jim. Well, I don't want to say poor Jimbo Fisher. That's not going to wrong. Shedding he, tears he, for him, right? Regardless of what happens, he's never going to be poor. But uh, yeah. let's just say, uh, let's just say it's, it's been an unfortunate uh, few years on, for the offense with uh, with Jimbo. And, I mean, they were – and but – it was so bad that, you know, they, they didn't have their starting quarterback. They, they thought they were going to start a quarterback that day, had the flu, so they were back to their to their original starting quarterback. And, I mean, they're, I mean they're, their offense was just a historical mess. And then they were going against a historically bad Florida defense, and, you know, they just ran all over them that first half. And then you're figuring, oh, man, you know, there's just, there's just no uh, light at the end of this tunnel. But then suddenly they just turned it on at halftime. And, and I said it, it's a combination of – of just a better attitude and just players, I think getting more comfortable in, in the schemes that they have. And, you know, they're not, as you said, it's not, they're not a lot of great players there. I mean, from the, from day one, we knew that there wasn't a lot of sec quality depth on this team, but the, the, the players that they have are getting better. And, you know, the frontline players are you know pretty good. And, you know, one of the guys who's, you know, stepped up the last few weeks is, you know, the, the, the man mountain himself, you know, Desmond Watson. <laughs> oh, he's amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, he, he became, you know, he, he, he just got his spot in Gator lore the other day, just, just for that, you know, stripping the ball and then his, his uh, nine yard run, which is probably the most memorable nine yard run in Florida history. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I thought, you know, it, as impressive as anything was, you know, he, he stripped the ball and then you know he he had the uh, presence of mind to switch arms, 
and then try to stiff arm the the the, uh, the guy who's tackling him, Spencer Rattler, the quarterback, and uh, you know, he, and of course, you know, the stiff arm. It's made a nice meme of him. You know, he, he looks like he's in the Heisman pose. You've probably seen <laughs> yeah. that going around. Yeah. If he lost I mean, hundred pounds, he might win the Heisman. He's he's very <laughs> no. athletic. David, any yeah. chance we could see a refrigerator Perry roll for him around the goal line? Well, you know, uh, we've asked uh, uh, Billy about that, and he's been sort of coy. Um, you know, I think it would be it would be great in a way, but you know, the problem is that you know he he's about eighty pounds bigger than the fridge. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, and you want a, you know, a guy like that, maybe three, three fifty or less who has, you know, sort of a burst, uh, through the line. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I still think, you know, you, you can, you can, uh, measure, you know, Des Watson's 40 by a sundial. I mean, he doesn't get from point A to point B real fast. Uh, but you know, he is a, a I mean, he does clog that middle and, uh, Man, it's just—it's too bad he couldn't score. But you know, he, he was trying to explain that he was losing control of the ball, and and he's afraid he might fumble it. So when the when Rattler came and 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 sort of clung to him like a cat might cling to your leg, you know, he <laughs> he, just, I, I, he he went down because you know I think I think in a, you know in in an open field and he and he had the ball securely. I I would hate to have to think I got to bring this guy down. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but. Uh, you know, but but I mean, besides, it's been fun to to talk about that play. But he's he's been playing very solidly, just um, you know, uh, play in and play out since then when he gets in there. He does. And it's, it's sort yeah, it's just I, typical. And go ahead. I'm sorry. I want to ask you about right. Trey Smack. Um, yeah. He got hurt, I guess, at the A and M game, and uh, Mahalik really responded as far as his kickoffs and so forth. Do you know if um, Trey Smack will make the the um, trip yeah, to Vanderbilt? I, I, yeah, I, I I don't know if he is or not. You know, Mahalik's done such a good job on the kickoffs that uh, hadn't really been an issue. And you know that the whole kicking thing's sort of been a mystery this year because you, know, um, you know Smack was a pretty highly touted recruit, and Mahalik just you know walk on that nobody really knew much about. He kicked a couple field goals in spring in the spring game, but you know he he uh, he started out and he just won the job flat out. And you know he doesn't have a great leg, but. Um, it's good enough, you know. I, mean, I think from 50 in, they're pretty confident. Although you know, he he missed a a, a chippy uh, against A and M, you know, a, a, you know, 28 yarder. No, was it? Or, I don't know. Maybe that was this past week, but but whatever it was, you know, <laughs> he turned out to be. Yeah, also, you know, they're scoring so much these days; it all runs together. I tell there you, you go. But uh, um, but uh, but he he is you know put the ball in the end zone on the kickoffs pretty regularly, and a lot of time I mean, teams more and more there even if it's. If, if it's not in the end zone, they're just calling fair catches and taking the ball at the, at the 25. You're seeing that a lot more. So uh, I, I don't think that, that they would miss uh, uh, Smack too much if, if he doesn't get out there. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, as long as Mahalik doesn't, you know, doesn't you know, pull a hamstring in that cold weather or something like that. Right. But, David, we're unfortunately out of time. We really appreciate you coming on with us tonight. Always a pleasure to have you. And are you going to go to Nashville? I am afraid I am not. I'm. I'm just going to, you know, uh, we, we've shifted into. Well, if hey, why don't you just cover the game on TV and we'll save a thousand dollars a hotel and airplane. And uh, and I, I, you know, a lot of these places I don't mind not going to, but you know, Nashville's one of those that man, I wish uh, you know, that, that, oh, you, you don't mind, ever mind going to Nashville, I'll but bet. that's okay. Well, yeah. David, thank but, you so much. Um, okay, guys, really appreciate you coming on tonight. Thanks, David. All right, take care. Bye bye. All right, David Whitley, the Gainesville Sun. Very knowledgeable about the Gators, and uh, so now you got the lowdown. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF.
Talk Radio 96.7. Yeah, we're talking sports in the Ozone this Thursday night. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We're talking sports. Give us a call. 682-1430. That's 682-1430. On this date in 1940, the Green Bay Packers became the first NFL team to travel by airplane. 1953, the St. Louis Browns baseball team officially became the Baltimore Baseball Club, eventually the Orioles. And in 1956, Syracuse fullback Jim Brown scored an NCAA record of 43 points versus Colgate. And in 1959, San Francisco Giants future Hall of Fame slugger Willie McCovey wins NL Rookie of the Year. On this date in 1998, Weeb Eubank, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame football coach, passed away. He was 91, and uh, he was a veteran of the U.S. Navy in World War II, and coached with Rip Engel at Brown University. Now, Brown University also produced a guy named Joe Paterno. Rip Engel eventually became the football coach at Penn State, and I think he was the uncle or he was related to Steve Spurrier's wife, if I remember right. And uh, there was a guy named Paul Brown that ran into Weebu Bank, and also Sid Gilman. All these guys were at, the, at Miami University in Miami of Ohio, and uh, eventually Weebu Bank went with Paul Brown to the Cleveland Browns. They won the 1950 NFL championship. He became the Baltimore Colts head coach in 54. And then in 58 and 59, the Colts won back-to-back championships in the NFL. And, of course, he won Super Bowl three with Joe Namath beating my Baltimore Colts, which was one of the darkest days of my life. So, Weeb Eubank, Hall of Fame coach and one of the greats of all time. Um, here's another guy. Now, here, here's a guy that I think is one of the most overrated in the history of college football, Bo Schembechler. You know, he's revered. Oh, man, if, if our Michigan fan heard me say that, oh, that, they'd be all over me. Now, he was another one who was under Sid Gilman. I don't think he listened to Sid Gilman because <laughs> he never threw the football. But Bo Schembechler never won a national championship, 2-8 and eight in the Rose Bowl, and he was 5-12 and 12 in bowl games. He won a lot of Big Ten championships, coached under Woody Hayes, Woody Hayes, you know, Woody Hayes coaching tree. What do you think? Well, I think you're right in noting that he's he didn't appreciate enough of the passing game. And when you went out and played those West Coast oh, teams, yeah. The, yeah. that would tend to cost you. You know, yeah, the Big they'd Ten, throw it around. They're like, hey, wait a minute, is that legal? <laughs> hey, he just threw the football. Yeah, you know, he's – Think about the way football in the South and in the Big Ten was throughout most of our lifetimes uh, was all about the ground game. Nebraska was a big example of that. And it was very rare for teams to be wide open. Spurrier was an innovator in that sense, you know, and and uh, then you then it eventually got to the Big Ten. But prior to that, the Big Ten as a whole generally had trouble in the Rose Bowl because they'd go out and play those West Coast teams that were fast and athletic. Uh, you know, it, besides the SEC, University of Miami and FSU also tapped into that. 
you know, then that, that's why the UM had that great 20 year run because they were ahead of the curve in terms of let's get rid of, let's de-emphasize beef and, and emphasize speed and emphasize passing and pro style. Let's play it like that. Our athletes are going to be better than yours and we're just going to outrun you. And FSU picked up on that and they had a lot of success with it for a long time. Now that's not Jim Beckler's game. And so, you know, in the seventies it worked, it worked very well, but then you get into the eighties and into the nineties it's all about adapting, adapting with the times. It's very hard to do. A lot of coaches couldn't do it. It's one thing about Saban that's so amazing. You see, he was winning 20 years ago, and he's still winning today. And he, he just it doesn't. He's changed from relying on running and defense to now relying on great quarterback play. This is amazing. Trans- exactly. Trans- well, the thing with Shim Beckler is, you know, they would be undefeated. They'd go out there and play some eight and three UCLA team, like you said, they could throw the football. Sure. And they couldn't compete with it, and the athletes. That they had out there. Now, here's another strange one. Billy Vessels, the 1952 Heisman Trophy winner. I met him once. From Oklahoma. You did? Yeah, really did. Wow, (laughs) that's pretty neat. You know, he was the first-round pick of the Baltimore Colts, second overall pick. He went to the Canadian Football League. He played one year with the Colts later after he'd been in the Canadian Football League. He got hurt, and he only played one year in the NFL. A lot of stories like that. How did you meet him? I was down in Miami. He was living there at the time. And uh, I, it was uh, Dr. Mike Lino would know this. They, they, gave, they gave a similar award up here. But out in the high schools down there would give out these Silver Knight Awards for um, different categories. And I was nominated from my high school. And I got to, as part of the interview process, go and meet the panel. And it was an athletic type of an award. So they... Uh, he was on the panel and I got to chat with him for a little bit. It's very, very exciting. Wow. Yeah, he was a lot older then, but, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. I thought, so that's how I got to meet him back down in Miami back, wow, back in neat. the day, as they say, <laughs> some <laughs> years ago. <laughs> when I went out to Oklahoma, you know, they have a statue of all their Heisman trophy winners. And it's pretty impressive because they've, I think they've had seven, yeah. maybe eight now. I'm not sure. I think, I think it's seven, but at any rate, you know, I remember seeing Billy Vessel's um, statue out there. You know, here's another guy, Pete Newell, um, an American Basketball Hall of Fame coach, won Olympic gold in 1960 and won an NCAA championship in 59 at uh, Michigan State. Uh, people think that uh, Michigan State has only had one coach in their history, but <laughs> not quite the case. <laughs> No, Michigan State uh, is—it's uh, interesting. Always a decent team, but only only a few times have they had great football success. I was watching their basketball team the other night, and you know, going up against some supposedly superior Kentucky team, they end up beating them. Uh, so I think they've only had one basketball coach. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Seems like it. Although I'm, we're old enough to remember Judd Heathcote. So, yeah. Yeah. so it's two basketball coaches. <laughs> well, you know, back in the day, they did have good football teams and. Uh, they won, um, I'm trying to think. The Duffy Darty years. Yeah, right? Duffy Darty, 1966. Yeah. They played number one versus number two against Notre Dame. And this is one of the reasons why I don't like Notre Dame. Notre Dame, they were tied at 10 10. Notre Dame's quarterback got hurt. Coley O'Brien comes in, and they get the ball in a tie game with about, if I remember, it was like a minute and a half. And they ran the clock out, they didn't try to win the game. And yet they end up winning the national championship because they're Notre Dame. And they got the same record as Michigan State, but Bubba Smith was on that Michigan State team. Yeah, and you're right, Duffy Darty was the coach there at that time. But um, 
That's one of the reasons why I don't like Notre Dame. <laughs> so, yeah, Michigan State was good under Darty, and they've had some other success. Uh, I guess it was Mike, Dan, uh, Mike D'Antonio. Yes. Yeah, he, he had some success. And uh, as far as Mel Tucker goes, well, you know, I, he's – I don't know. We're gonna, it didn't get a chance to ask David Whitley about this, but you look at Mel Tucker. He's, what, second, third year doing this. He's got the big contract. Jimbo Fisher, we talked about him briefly. He's got that huge contract. Anybody else with the record Fisher had with the players that he's brought in this far into his contract probably wouldn't survive the season they're having. But he will because he's too he's too expensive to fail, as it were, too big to fail. <laughs> they have to keep million dollars. But, you know, uh, but how is that going to affect their recruiting? You know, I, I bet they're going to have a mass exodus of that number one recruiting class leaving out of there. And, um, you know, maybe the Gators will benefit from it. And uh, as I understand, they're having trouble right now recruiting because of that, the uncertainty of what's going on. And you know everybody's negative recruiting saying, hey, Fisher's not going to be there. Where And you can certainly create doubt in a recruit's mind of whether or not he'll be there, even though I think the buyout's $86 million. It's it's odd. It's going to be interesting. <clears throat> they should be okay this week, uh, not you know, uh, but they do still host LSU in their final game of the season, a game that LSU, since they have, they're, they're the West winner now because they held on against Arkansas and Alabama, uh, beat Miss, Ole Miss. But LSU's got playoff aspirations still, and they need to win out to do that. So it's going to be an important game for them. It's going to be very interesting to see what sort of effort we get out of Texas A&M on that last game when they're at home yeah. against a, a rival like that. You know, then we'll get an idea of, of where the players stand and, and whether where that program's going. Exactly, and you know they've had some injury problems, and the Gators were able to beat a depleted team because of the flu. But um, you know, it certainly got the Gators turned around and moving in the right direction. So, you know, we'll see how that ends up turning out out there. We'll um, tell you what, why don't we go ahead and take a break, and uh, we're going to come back. We're going to have a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, so you can go out there and eat and drink $30 worth on us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Leva Griff former Gator and Buccaneer, now the color analyst for the Gator Radio Network. You are listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Let's do it. Let's do our Ozone. Talking sports with Ronnie O and Coach Joe brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland turning scrap metal into cash. My old buddy Lee McGriff, he and I had classes together uh, at the University of Florida. Well, I know right now you're hungry, you're thirsty, you cannot wait for that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. And we have it. It's not in our possession, but it's out there waiting for you. All you got to do is give us a call. If you haven't won in the last six months, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And Coach Joe's got our quiz tonight. Coach Joe, what do you got for us? Well, we were talking about Refrigerator Perry uh, when we talked about Desmond Watson uh, earlier. And Refrigerator Perry, of course, was known as a great defensive tackle, but he also was used as a fullback and scored a few touchdowns, including one in the Super Bowl. And what team was he playing for when he scored that famous Super Bowl touchdown? Refrigerator Perry, was he playing for A, the Giants, B, the Steelers, C, the Bears, or D, the Packers? (laughs) All right, there you go. You know, uh, uh, 
Ronnie, uh, it's next Thursday's Thanksgiving. It's a dark day here at the uh, radio station, meaning that we're not on air, not that we're sad or anything. <laughs> we'll be off having a good time. We won't have a show. So um, there's a lot of sports obviously going on Thanksgiving weekend. I mean, more than ever this this Thanksgiving, and the Ale House is ready for for you. They you know they're they're a regular for my Sunday NFL watching to begin with because of of the 40 strategically located TVs, including. I, they have me set up in one place where I can see eight at a time. Eight. <laughs> eight. Well, now you've got college football going on that weekend as well. And the World Cup. Don't forget, all you fans of, of the USA men's team, that Friday game after Thanksgiving when they play England is something to behold. It will be a, well, a memorable time, and if, especially if we somehow manage to win that. The Ale House, I talked to them the other day. They are psyched about it. They said... Man, are you going to be here for those World Cup games? You said, I said, you, sh- you know I am, man. You know I am. So, uh, so much to watch at the Ale House. Over, since we're not here to talk about it next week, uh, go to the Ale House. You might see me there, and we can talk sports then. You know, <laughs> so I'm excited about it, Ronnie. It's a great time of year. All right, I'll be having a trip to fan nap next Thursday. So <laughs> I know the Clarksters manning the phones. He's got people calling in. They're hungry. They're thirsty. The Clarksters all over it. Chris, how are you tonight? Good. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Hey, Chris. You hungry and thirsty? Oh, always. All right. You ever been out to the Ale House? Yeah, we actually, so uh, last time we went, we uh, we won a gift card probably a year and a half ago. Uh, all right. Then, so. All yeah. right. Well, who did Refrigerator Perry play for his first NFL um, team that he scored for the, in the Super Bowl? Oh, boy. Uh you want the teams again? Uh, the, uh, your choices, Chris, uh, was it for the Giants, the Steelers, the Bears, or the Packers? Well, I know, I know he played for the Bears and he scored. You're exactly uh, right. Uh, Don't say anymore. Okay, yeah. So you're right, saying perfect. the Bears. The Bears. <laughs> yeah. The Bears. The Bears. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. it is the Bears, Chris. Well done. And, yeah, well, you need to get out to the Ale House because they are, right now this time of year when there's so many games to watch, Plus, you had the World Cup, which is unprecedented. Yep. Now you've got an incredible number of games to watch. The Ale House is the one place you can go that can handle that, and they take good care of you there, too. They they take such great care of me when I get there. They're ready. They they know uh, exactly what we're looking for. They, they take the time to find out what game you want to watch, and they try to set you up as best as possible. So uh, you really oh, yeah. want to enjoy it. Good drink. Oh, for sure. It's amazing stuff there. So... Uh, uh, use that thirty dollars. Hey, hey, whenever you want, as long as it's within the next thirty days. But uh, next weekend it's going to be amazing. All right, sounds awesome. Thank you, guys. All right, thank you. And uh, hang on the line. Let Eric get your information. Don't let him. He'll try to take your wallet too. So just give him your yeah, information. Right. <laughs> Don't ruin it for me, okay? <laughs> Now, 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 the Bucks and Dolphins are not playing this Sunday. Uh, they each get the same bye week. That's interesting. But uh, they're going to be on the following Sunday. I know the Bucks are on their channel, aren't they? Uh, at Cleveland, Sunday the 27th. That's right. 1 That's o'clock right. kickoff, noon Correct. pregame. Don't forget that. And then lots of good coverage of the Gators FSU game. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be on Friday the 25th. <laughs> so uh, Friday the 25th, 7.30 kickoff. In Tallahassee, and of course, the pregame will start at 4:30 here on for the Gators on WNN 107.1, 12:30 a.m. Florida State has a two-hour pregame show right here on WLKF. If you want to hear that, 
on 96.7, a.m. So Gators at Tallahassee, 7.30 kickoff on Friday the 25th. Wow, that's going to that's gonna be amazing. And uh, it's so, so much to do. Great weekend next week. Really, the, the whole week, it starts this, this Saturday right away. And in fact, actually, it's probably starting right now as it's cold up in Green Bay, but Tennessee and the Packers are, up, are, are getting started up there. Hey, real quick, since we're going to be away for a couple weeks, I want to say happy Thanksgiving and congratulations to a good friend of the show, our good friend Burgess Owens. He has won re-election. He is right. returning to Congress in the 4th District of Utah. So congratulations to him and congratulations to somebody I'm a fan of, Sandy Alcantara, the Marlins ace. He is the first Marlin to ever win the Cy Young Award. It was announced yesterday for the National League. He pitched. That's hard to believe with all the pitchers they've had. Yeah, I know. Uh, Josh Beckett didn't win the win it for the Marlins. Kevin Brown, uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Brown. I mentioned uh, Al Leiter, Charlie Huff, a whole lot of great. Uh, Levon Hernandez, Jose Fernandez, a whole lot of great pitchers have gone through the Marlins, but. This is their first Cy Young Award as a team. And more good news for the Marlins, by the way, is they have hired Jeff Conine as an administrative assistant. So it's always great to see Mr. Marlin back with the club. So we'll look forward to that. And our good friend Justin Verlander winning the AL Cy Young today. And uh, uh, that's that's great news for the world champion. Now he finally got his World Series victory yeah. <laughs> the other a couple of weeks ago. So so that's good too. So a lot of good news all around uh, as the award season in baseball has uh, commenced. Well, back on this day in nineteen, let's see what was the date on this. Uh, back in the to, day, today, well, <laughs> in nineteen forty four on this date, Tom Seaver was born. Former United States Marine. I did not know that. I didn't know he was in the Marine Corps. He died in 2020 at the age of 75. He was 311 and 205, 2.86 ERA. And the only World Series championship he won was the 69 Mets. I think it was the same for Nolan Ryan. Yeah, well. yeah you're right. That, you're exactly that's a great right. pitching staff. You know, uh, uh, it, it's, Alcantara is kind of old school like that. Alcantara pitched 226 innings which is 20 more than any other pitcher, and he had six complete games this season, which is more than any other team yeah. this year. So this that's the way they used to do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Also, today is the 77th birthday of the Big E, Elvin Hayes, former Houston Cougar. Great player. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll never forget that game, January 20th, 1968, the first nationally televised college basketball game against UCLA. Hayes had 39 points, 15 rebounds. He held down Lou Alcindor. The Cougars won 71-69 in the old Astrodome. They had 52,000 there, which was the record back then. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot know, of people for but a basketball game. They ended up losing in the finals to oh, UCLA. Yeah. I think it was the finals. might have been the semifinals. Well, he did win with the Bullets uh, in the late 70s, uh, back when Washington was called the Bullets, and they had a great, and they yeah. had a great team. Uh, he was the leader of that team. He was. He had this turnaround jumper that was unstoppable. Oh, he was. And um, in that 67 Final Four, he had 24 rebounds, second all-time to a guy named William Felton Russell, who once had 27 rebounds in a single NCAA playoff game. So, well, no ozone next Thursday night. We'll be eating, and uh, probably I'll be asleep after all the eating I plan to do. <laughs> and uh, the legendary Clarkster, I'm sure he's going to fly us up to that game on his 
Learjet, so we'll be going up to Tallahassee on the Clarkster's Learjet, and the Clarkster will be off in Tahiti or someplace. 